We all want happy, healthy families, and that quest for good health begins at birth. Sadly, many of our nation's infants have a much more difficult journey reaching their first birthday than other infants. African-American babies, for instance, are as much as two and a half times less likely to reach their first birthday than Caucasian babies. This disturbing disparity has given rise to a national forum, a forum wherein healthcare professionals, birth workers, policymakers, and family planning experts share information and ideas to combat the scourge of black infant mortality and maternal morbidity. Welcome to the GAP podcast series. Welcome to the GAP podcast series, and we are in studio today with the extraordinary Amanda Alvarez of the Mother's Milk Bank of North Texas. Hi, Amanda. Hi, good morning. How are you doing today? I'm good today, thanks. Good. Well, I want to just, you know, kick things off by just asking you to talk to us about the Mother's Milk Bank of North Texas and talk about kind of the mission of that organization and what you guys do in the community. Okay. So Mother's Milk Bank of North Texas was established in 2004. So we're having our 15th anniversary this year. And we followed the um, Texas Milk Bank, which is based in Austin. Um, we're kind of a an early project of theirs to establish a milk bank to serve the rest of Texas um, because there's an enormous need throughout our state and in this region. Um, so we came on board in 2004. Um, all of the nonprofit milk banks in the United States are governed by the Human Milk Banking Association of North America. And I think it's important to distinguish between nonprofit milk banking and some for profit companies that are out there um, sharing milk and using donor breast milk. Um, nonprofit human milk banks are all called to provide donor human milk in a safe and equitable way to babies in need. Uh, we do that mostly through hospital NICUs. Um, we do it by prescription to medically fragile babies. Here in North Texas, we're also able to do it to some healthy babies who are at home. We can provide those babies with milk when the other baby's needs have been met through hospitals and um, prescription care. Well, I, you've thrown me a curveball right yeah. in the beginning. <laughs> I, I did not know that there, there was a delineation between nonprofit milk banking and for-profit milk banking? Yes. So milk sharing in general is just when one person shares their milk, milk with another person. That's gone on probably since the beginning of time. Right. There have always been babies born in circumstances where there was not access to their own mother's milk um, for a variety of reasons. Um, so there's lots and lots of ways to look at how that milk is shared today. Um, the simplest way it's shared is what's called peer-to-peer -peer milk sharing, and that's simply one person giving their milk to someone else who needs it. We see that a lot on social media these days and in parents' groups. Um, that's gone on for a long time. It has its benefits because it provides milk to babies who need it. Um, it also has its risks because milk is a body fluid and milk is uh, alive and has lots and lots of variables that contribute to why it's so beneficial and healthy. Um, so nonprofit milk banking exists because we feel that there's a need to screen the people who are donating the milk 
to analyze and process the milk to make sure that it's safe for the most fragile babies, and then to get it to the babies who have the highest medical need. So these are babies that are born prematurely um, or with very, very complicated medical concerns. There is also, in that landscape of milk sharing, um, the existence of for-profit companies who attempt to facilitate that milk sharing to their benefit. Um, there's, I can open up a whole rabbit hole here, but there's been quite a bit of ethical debate about that, um, about the adding the profit element. You know, when you offer to pay someone for their milk, then you've introduced the idea of um, their milk being valuable, but also you've given them the, uh, the challenge of having to decide who gets their milk, this person willing to pay for it or their own baby. So there's actually a news story from several years ago about a for-profit company that was paying women for their milk. Um, these were women in inner-city Detroit um, who really needed the money. And so they were put in a position where they wanted to benefit from being paid for their milk. They knew it was valuable and they needed the money, but they also had a baby at home to feed. And so their babies were ended up ended up being fed formula because it was available through subsidized programs like WIC. Their own babies aren't receiving all the benefits of their own mother's milk because of the financial strain on those families. It was a moral dilemma that those families never should have been put in the position to face. Their own babies deserved access to their own milk. But the inter that, I guess, introduction from the for-profit companies made it a very complicated and messy issue for those families. Off air, we were talking about... Nakia Lawson, and yeah. when we interviewed her, she sketched in the historical and and sociological impact leading to perhaps why fewer black women breastfeed, and we're going to get to that later in our questioning. But sure. this, <laughs> what, I'm, I'm a little bit shocked by what you said because I had this mental flashback to something that Nakia was talking about, which is wet nursing and the fact that during during slavery times and, and post-slavery times, a black woman could have given birth and the milk that she produced did not go for her own child, but it went for the child of her um, owner. Yeah. So that was 19th century, you know, pushing forward, you know, through slavery, perhaps even in Jim Crow, perhaps even later. And you're saying to me that a comparable kind of dilemma presented itself to black women, oh, five years ago? Absolutely. Well, that's particularly disheartening to me. So the merchandising of mother's milk is upon us. Absolutely. You know, the, the for-profit milk banking industry is guilty of that, right? Um, there's also other temptations when you offer people money for their milk. Um, they might dilute their milk with water or cow's milk. They might um, donate when they were sick or taking a medication that's not necessarily safe for all babies. Um, most medications are all, all right for healthy babies, but 
we know in the lactation world that medically fragile babies really have to be monitored a lot. We have to know what's in their milk. We have to know what medications are there. So yes, the, we've gone on this, I guess, tangent about for-profit milk banking, but it is an important piece of why we do things the way that we do in nonprofit milk banking. What are the benefits to mothers for breastfeeding? Well, mothers themselves have reduced risk of heart disease, a variety of cancers, especially breast and ovarian cancer. Um, they have better management of diabetes, um, better management of healthy weight, all those things that impact her health, not only during that immediate year postpartum, which is really important. You know, it's going to help her recover from pregnancy faster. Uterine contractions will stop bleeding faster. You know, things that really kill women after childbirth, breastfeeding can impact. But the benefits also go across her life course. So over the course of her life, the greater number of months that she's breastfed, the greater her prevention of cancer and heart disease and diabetes. Wow. Yeah. So this is something that more women should be doing. Now, we're going to go to a clip. Can we do that now, Pierre? And we're going to listen to a clip about black moms breastfeeding at from a percentage perspective, mm -hmm. less than white moms, perhaps less than Hispanic or Asian moms. So yep. we're going to listen to that clip. And then after we listen to it, then I want you to, um, to just comment on it. And then we'll, we'll begin a dialogue from that. So okay. anytime you're ready, let's go to the clip. A recent study reveals that black mothers are nine times as likely to be given formula for their babies from hospitals than white mothers. It was proven that hospital policies and demographics play an outsized role in whether a mother is encouraged to breastfeed or is given formula for her baby. In addition to the finding about black mothers being more likely to receive formula, the researchers found Hispanic mothers are the most likely to breastfeed for longer because of a family history of doing so suggesting family history has a greater influence on whether a mother breastfeeds than previously thought. Well, your general thoughts on that as it relates to, to black moms and, and, and breastfeeding. So, you know, family history, sure, makes a difference. Um, any woman, after she has a baby, looks to the women and the people in her community for support and encouragement and when the people closest to you haven't had the same experience, they're not equipped to help you, right? And so even though there's love and concern and support, there's not always training and education and knowledge in that field. And so we often see that black women don't have anyone in their immediate circle to turn to who has evidence-based knowledge on how to support breastfeeding because it's not been part of their life. And they may or may not even understand why it hasn't been part of their life, right? Um, there's lots of black women who you mentioned earlier what Nakia shared with you about kind of the social um, reasons that women haven't breastfed in the black community for a long time. And there's lots and lots of people who, although they've experienced that, they don't know why either. You know, they didn't. They weren't told. Well, I didn't breastfeed you because of systemic racism. <laughs> you know, they that wasn't part of the conversation. But the result is the same. The result is having no one that looks like you or sounds like you or lives where you live 
equipped to help you with what you're working on, and that's a problem. So, you know, I think that family history part is important. But, you know, earlier in the clip, he kind of glossed over it, but he said, you know, it's hospital policies and other, um, he didn't use the word policy, but other problems in the system. And that's exactly where all of it is. It's the, the quick return to work without adequate leave to, to prepare. It's all the things that get in the way of breastfeeding beyond those first couple of weeks. And that, that's where a lot of our work is to do. We're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to talk with Amanda a bit more about why she chose this as a path, and also we're going to have Amanda talk to us about about how you can contact her or the Mother's Milk Bank of Texas if you want to be a donor or just simply want more information. So we're going to go, go to break now, and we'll be back. You're listening to The Gap Podcast Series. Crunchy Boutique is a family-owned, natural parenting store in Arlington, Texas. Crunchy Boutique features a comprehensive inventory of merchandise from cloth diapers to amber teething necklaces and everything in between. Crunchy Boutique provides parents with more than just products. Crunchy Boutique provides excellent service to our customers and gives moms and dads knowledgeable and caring guidance and ultimately peace of mind as they make important choices for their children. In addition to a significant selection of natural products, Crunchy Boutique is a resource for the community. We offer support groups and classes, which include cloth diapering, baby wearing, breastfeeding, childbirth education, nutrition, and more. Many of these groups and classes are even led by experts within the community. We are your one-stop shop for all your parenting natural needs. Crunchy Boutique can be found online at crunchyboutique.net, on Facebook at Crunchy Boutique Texas, and on Instagram at crunchy underscore boutique. We're back with Amanda Alvarez from the Mother's Milk Bank of North Texas, and you're listening to the Gap Podcast Series. Amanda, your some of the things you said today have really just left me speechless and and I want to know I, I really want to know why did you choose this as your life's destiny I mean clearly you know your background's public relations you you could have done any number of things in your life but you chose this why is this meaningful to you well it's an enormous privilege to have gotten to choose this um my background in public relations was something that I always felt like I would do. You know, I think um, as a young child and then as I started to think about professions, working in nonprofit PR just seemed like a good fit. It's it's where I am. Um, but when I left work to have children and I learned about breastfeeding and then I learned about how to support breastfeeding and then I learned about it as a profession, I went back to school, I really thought of it as a second career. I thought that being a lactation consultant, becoming an IBCLC would give me the opportunity to serve people directly in helping them breastfeed. And that was really, that was my goal. And I even had a little um, insecurity about it early on. I I felt called to help people one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two, maybe twins, right? <laughs> but, but in a very intimate and direct way, I wanted to provide clinical breastfeeding support. 
And I had a good friend who at the same time was also in a master's program, and she was studying health policy, and she wanted to change the world, right? She was going to set the world on fire and really go do this big picture work. And I thought, well, God, is it bad that I don't feel called to do that right now? I really just want to work directly with people. But I think I was limiting how I was thinking about it because the once I got engaged in the work and I started listening to the families that I was serving, they weren't failing at breastfeeding because they needed help latching their baby on or they needed a little help increasing their milk supply. They were failing at breastfeeding because no one in the hospital besides me encouraged them to breastfeed. Or when they got home, their mother-in-law, their baby's grandparents, discouraged breastfeeding. When they went back to work, they had an employer who didn't want them to pump. Or they had a daycare center who didn't want to handle breast milk because they were afraid of it. When they went out in public, they were harassed for breastfeeding or criticized for doing things this way and not that way. And when I saw, okay, well, what is the problem? What is getting in the way of good breastfeeding? It's it's very rarely the clinical things I know how to fix. I wish it was. If I could <laughs> if I could wave that wand and fix breastfeeding for everybody with just my clinical skills, that'd be great, but that's not where the work is to be done. And once I understood that, there was really no question about that's what I have to do. I'm in a really unique position that I appreciate every single day, and that's at the milk bank. I'm able to do some clinical care. I lead a breastfeeding support group, and I sit with patients and or clients, and I help them immediately. But I also get to do work on advocacy and policy, and I get to do projects like this where we really lend a voice to the bigger picture. Um, and I don't for one minute take it for granted that I get to do both. How do we find you? How do we find the Mother's Milk Bank? If, you're, find us, if you yeah. want to be a donor, tell us how to find you. Yeah, so Mother's Milk Bank of North Texas is online. We have a website, a website texasmilkbank.org. Um, we're also on all social media as um, Mother's Milk Bank of North Texas. Um, you can find me through the Milk Bank website, through social media. You can email me directly. It's amanda at texasmilkbank.org. Um, but we are eager to hear from people with a variety of questions. You know, we hear from people every day who want to donate milk and they have questions about it. We also hear from people every day who want to receive milk, who are struggling with breastfeeding and need clinical support. We hear from people who want to volunteer. Um, maybe they don't have breast milk to donate, but they're moved by our mission and they want to be involved in that. Um, Maybe they are interested in the Breastfeeding Coalition. I mentioned Tarrant County Breastfeeding Coalition. Um, our website is tarrantbfcoalition.org. Um, we're also on social media. Um, but there's always a way to engage in this work and to support this work, even when you're past breastfeeding. I'm out in the community all the time, and people will say, oh, you know, they read my name tag. And oh, breastfeeding, yep, yeah, that's not me. You know, that's not me. We hear that a lot, like, oh, I'm too old for that. I don't do that anymore. Or I'm a man. I don't breastfeed, right? But the truth is this work can be supported in so many ways, whether it's, you know, improving policies for your own work site or signing on to a bill that supports legislation to promote breastfeeding or financial contributions or just supporting the people in your life who want to breastfeed. There's always some work that you can do. So how can men be supportive of this initiative? How can we be actively engaged in helping to make this happen? So one thing that you can do is learn about the women in your life, what their goals are, and what they need to support those. If a woman's goal is to exclusively breastfeed, 
learn about why she wants to do that, learn what it takes to support her in doing that. Um, you know, one of the things that sabotages breastfeeding faster than anything is doubt, self-doubt, criticism from people on the outside. So little statements, um, you know, when a woman's breastfeeding in the early days, it seems like that's all she does for, you know, weeks postpartum. The baby's just always hungry. She's always feeding the baby. So it's important what's said to her during that time. So, you know, you could say, didn't you just feed that baby? And plant that seed of doubt that, oh, well, maybe he's hungry. Maybe there's something wrong. Or you could say, um, you're doing such a great job. Why don't I bring you a snack? Why don't I bring you some water? You know, find a, a kind of a logistical way to support her in what she's doing instead of creating and fostering that doubt that she's probably already having. Well, this is the last question, and we'll get you out on this, Amanda. We've gone down a a pretty incredible path today in terms of the things that we have dialogued about. And I just want to give you the floor. I, what what else would you like to say? What message would you like to leave to our global audience? I think the most important thing people need to know about breastfeeding is that it takes a community to breastfeed. It's not um, bootstrap mentality that like, this is on you. You've got to pull us up. You've got to breastfeed your baby and save us all is too much for anyone to bear. You know, women are really strong and we're really resilient, but we need the supports in place so that we can succeed. We need healthy stores in our communities where we can buy safe, you know, good, healthy food. And we need a workplace that's going to support us when we come back. We need family members who are really going to love on us and care for us when we have babies instead of um, demand that we bounce back, that we get our body back, that we, you know become the person or go right back to being the person we were before we were mothers. We need to really hold space for women when they're having babies. And we need to do that as a community, not just inside our own households. That is extraordinary and extraordinary answer. Thank you, Amanda Alvarez, for your time. Thank you for your insight. And thank you for being on the Gap podcast series. I really, really appreciate you today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. The Gap podcast series is produced by Limeville Entertainment in association with Sagasse Media Group. Also, be sure to visit us online at 365plusone.org. That's 365 plus one dot org.